and you prove that Jehovah is alive. Amen. So I was, I was thinking, because the Bible says um, gifts will cease, right? Gifts will cease. There's coming a day where your gift will no longer operate. There's coming a day when you reach heaven. There's no need for prophecy. Come on. In heaven, everybody knows everything. If I, as an evangelist, reach heaven, what work will I do there? Who will I evangelize? Everybody is saved in heaven. If you, as a pastor, make it to heaven. Listen, some pastors are not even going to make it to heaven. But let's say you make it to heaven as a pastor. Amen. What will you do in heaven? There's no work. You, you can't counsel anyone. Everybody is at peace there. You can't listen to their problems. There's no problems in heaven. Amen. So everybody in heaven will be out of a job. Can you say, say thank you, Jesus, I can rest. Oh, not the praise team. I've got bad news for the praise team. Wherever in the Bible where I read about heaven, I read about worship and praise and worship. I'm telling you, you guys are going to be working in heaven. Amen. So I said, seeing that I don't have anything to do in heaven, I'm going to join the praise team. I'm going to sign up and just worship the God of Major One. Amen. We're not going to sit around and do nothing. You might as well worship Him. Amen. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Are you ready to worship God tonight? Are you ready to worship Him until He dispatches angels? Being Jehovah. What a wonderful thing. Amen. You don't even have to set your alarm clock and say five o'clock in the morning we need to get up and worship God because through the night people will be worshiping. Hallelujah. No more going to work. Somebody say amen to that. No more working for a paycheck. Just worshiping Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word tonight? Do you have an expectancy that the Holy Ghost will show up tonight? Okay, at least two people are expecting the Holy Ghost will show up. Do you believe in your heart the Holy Ghost will move in power tonight and sort out your situation? I've learned this about the Holy Spirit. He only shows up for those that wait on Him. He only shows up for those that are so desperate. He only shows up for those that know the Holy Ghost is my last bus stop. Amen. He's the last way out for me. Glory to Jesus. Before we get into the scripture, allow me to honor this grace and recognize this grace of our Father in the Lord, the major prophet, Shepherd Bushiri. This wonderful grace that we have only read about and heard about, we've only read in the Bible. We heard stories of great men and women that have come before us and how they flowed with the Holy Ghost. And today, you and I, we get to experience this grace firsthand. Amen. Because God said for this generation, it is not good enough they only read about it. It is not good enough they just sit and hear about stories that have been told for so many years. God said in His infinite wisdom, let me grace the people of this generation with the same grace. Amen. They have to experience it firsthand. Can you say firsthand? First hand is always better than second hand. Amen. Imagine you sitting here and the grace falls upon you. The Holy Ghost touching you. Changing your life. In whatever way you manifest. Some of us won't even manifest but the Holy Ghost will change your life. 
and you go home and you tell somebody at home. To them it is a second-hand experience. It is a second-hand revelation, but you sitting here, you experience it firsthand, amen? Fresh from the, the, the storerooms of heaven, amen? Fresh manna every day. Can you clap your hands for Jesus? I want us to talk just for 10 minutes on the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Ghost. You have to understand that there are different levels when we talk about the presence of God. You get the omnipresence of God, which means that God is everywhere present at the same time. God can be right here and He can be in China, He can be in, 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 in New York at the same time. God is omnipresent. You cannot say that God is just in this meeting and so he's not in that meeting. A man of God approached me one day. He said to me, something is wrong in the church. And after he approached me, he actually wrote a letter to the leader of the church. He said, how can you claim God was present on Sunday morning if I know for a fact God moved in New York on Sunday morning? He, I'm telling the man was serious. He wrote a letter to the leader, to the pastor of the church. He said, you cannot say God is here and God is there. And the man came with his fresh revelation on the omnipresence of God. He caused such a stirring in, in that church and people turned their back on him. He refused to submit to leadership. He refused to listen to sound doctrine. Amen. Maybe if you're a young Christian today, you have to believe that God can manifest himself here and he can manifest himself 10,000 kilometers from here at the same time. He is God. Nothing is impossible unto Him. Amen. That is the one level. His omnipresence. And then we understand the abiding presence of God. When God dwells in a man, a woman, a child of God, He abides with you. He never leaves you. Unless you continue in sin. Unless you harden your heart. And the Holy Ghost says, I can no longer stay with this one. It is not everybody that is filled with the Holy Spirit that make it to heaven. Some people, Paul says, it is not that they deny Christ, but they deny Christ in their works. With their mouth they confess Jesus is Lord. They confess God the Father is the Holy One. They even confess the Holy Spirit. But with their deeds, they live as if there is no God. Eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Let us indulge in sin. So the Holy Ghost is, not, is under no obligation to stay with such a person and to remain with such a person. He can never stay with sin. He can never dwell with sin. Can you say, I believe that? Amen. So there goes the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Don't believe that nonsense. Many people have been saved and they lost their salvation again. The Bible says very pertinent, if you continue in the grace of God. The abiding presence of God will stay with you. With that, I'm not saying as a Christian when you go through difficult times that the Holy Ghost leaves you. I'm not saying when you, leave, when you lose your temper and you say things you're not supposed to say that the Holy Spirit will leave you. I'm not saying the ones that you, you, you fornicate or you fall into adultery, the Holy Ghost will leave you. No, never. The Holy Ghost loves you and He wants to stick with you. Amen. The Bible says He will never leave you and He will never forsake you unless you continue in His grace. Amen. You cannot be living like a devil and, and, and just 
claim the word God has to stick with you. There is no such thing. So we have the omnipresence of God. We have the abiding presence of God. And then we have the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when the wind begins to blow. Amen. You don't see the wind. You cannot see the Holy Spirit. You cannot even say he looks like this or he looks like that or he was clothed in this or he had that apparel today. You cannot say that. But when the wind blows, you, you see the, the leaves moving at least and you see the dust being picked up. Can you say amen? So when the Holy Ghost moves, we see the people manifesting in the presence of God. Some people manifest and the demon manifests in him. Other people, they are just, uh, they fall to the, to the ground and they begin to shake. Some people just laugh or they cry. That is the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And by this now we say, look, we cannot see the Holy Spirit, but I know he's here. I see the proof he's moving of the people. Amen. And then there's another level of the presence of God. We call it the glory of God. In heaven, there's always glory. The glory is always present in heaven. And you and I here at ECG, we have experienced the glory of God more than once. We have seen the glory of God more than once. Where it goes past the level where you say this is the presence of God or the manifest presence of God. It, it, it is, it is a, the concentration of God. It is like... You have no words. You cannot describe it. You feel your body cannot contain it. Amen. Your spirit is not even on that level. You begin to fear for your own life. You say, God is in this place and I fear for my life. And many people throughout the Bible, they sought the presence of God and they fell in love with the presence of God. But every once in a while, we had a man of God who stood up and said, I am not content even with the presence of God. However much I love the presence of God, I know there is something beyond talking about the glory of the Holy One. The Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter number 33, that Moses being a prophet of God, he took his tent and he pitched his tent outside the camp, not among the people outside the Bible says far outside the camp and whenever he would seek the face of God he would enter into his tent and the Bible says the cloud of pillar would come and rest at the tent on top of the tent and in front of the tent and everybody would know that Moses is busy meeting with Jehovah the God of the heavens and Moses asked God this he said Lord thank you for taking us out of Egypt he said, thank you for sending us into a promised land and giving us this promise of a land of milk and honey. Can you say honey? honey. He said, thank God for that. He said, but I beg of you, do not send us up from this place without your presence. Why would he pray such a prayer? Because God told him, he said, Moses, I'm sending you to the land of milk and honey, but I myself, I am not traveling with you. Lest I... My, my wrath rises up and I consume these people in my anger. And Moses knew this is God. He's holy. He cannot stand sin. He cannot live among a sinful people. But Moses begged him. He said, God, all the nations, they have their idols. All the nations, they have their weaponry. They have their armies. The same as us. 
We also have weapons and we also have tactics and, and plans and our own wisdom. He said, but just like the other guys. And Moses said, oh God, how shall we be different if not for the Holy Ghost? What will distinguish us from the other people if we don't have the Holy Spirit? What will distinguish us from those other people that bow down to idols if the Holy Ghost does not go with us? And God saw this man was serious. Moses knew the presence of God. He loved him so much. He even feared God. But Moses did something that nobody ever did before. He dared to pray a crazy prayer that nobody ever prayed. He said, God, show me your glory. He had seen everything about God, experienced His manifest presence, and yet he was not content. He said, God, show me your glory. And God understood that Moses had a glimpse of something beyond the presence of God. He said, I cannot deny this man. He said, he wants to see my glory. I have to show him. And then God responded. He said, Moses, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. And then my goodness will pass before you. There's something in the goodness of God. And the moment the goodness of God passed. Now, before Moses went up on the mountain, God gave him instruction. He said, Come up on the mountain with clay tablets. Because remember, in your anger you broke the other clay tablets. Now come up with new clay tablets. And so Moses did just that. And he waited on God. And the next moment God appeared. And the Bible says God proclaimed the name of the Lord. Jehovah proclaimed his own name. He said, Moses, you wanted to see my glory. I will let my goodness pass before you. Up until then, they knew God as one who judges, as one who kills, one who destroys. But this moment, God appeared before Moses. And he said, Moses, you will not see my face. You will see my backside. The residue is the name in the Hebrew. You will see the residue of God. And then he proclaimed his own name. He said, gracious and merciful and compassionate. This is the glory of God, the goodness of God. Can you say amen to that? And because Moses dared to ask this, God said, I've got to show this man my other side. That I am not just into judgment. I'm not just into killing people. I'm not just into sentencing and punishing people. I have a side, a loving kindness side. I have a side of grace and compassionate mercy. Can you say amen to that? And now that Moses said, God, I got to see that side of yours. The moment he showed it to Moses, now God was obligated to travel with them. Moses said, God, if you just think of our sin, if all the time is just our sin before you, how will we survive then? But show me your goodness. Show me your mercy, your kindness, and I will tell the people about this side of God, the glory, the mercy, the kindness. Can you say amen? amen. And for the first time, the people said, we are willing to travel with such a God. Amen. I know as an evangelist, we always tell people of hell and the fires of hell and the judgment of God. But let me tell you something. 
There's some, some people you'll never reach for God if you don't tell them about judgment. Paul talks about his gospel of mercy, his, his gospel of grace that he preaches. He says, I preach my gospel of grace. And then he goes in jail and, and they bring Felix to him. And he preaches to, such, to, to Felix to the point where Felix was so afraid he turned around and he almost ran away. Why? Bible says he told him about judgment to come. You have to do it. As an evangelist, you have to do it. I'm not going to take chances, especially not from the pulpit of a major prophet, to tell you half a gospel, to give you half a truth. And then when you reach up there one day, when you open your eyes on the other side, you say, no, Jesus, that one by the name of evangelist Fritz, he didn't give me all the information. No. I'll make sure I give you all the information. That day when you stand before Jesus, I'll say, no, Lord, I remember this face. I told him everything. So Moses did to pray this prayer. He said, God, I know there's a different side. I know about your glory, and I need to see this glory. Now, oh, blessed Jesus. Can I read to you from Exodus 34? Just don't page there. Just listen to me. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, Moses. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and pre present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So Moses did exactly that. Let us skip to verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Are you following? And the Lord passed before him and he proclaimed the Lord. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. Are you still following? Verse 8, listen to this, the last verse. So Moses made haste and he bowed his head toward the earth and he worshipped. Now, very interesting here. This is the first account of Moses worshiping God. The first account. Prior to that meeting, prior to the place where he beheld the glory of God, he was just meeting with God face to face, praying, having a conversation. But it is only after he saw the glory of God, for the first time the Bible says, Moses fell on his face and he began to worship God. Can you say amen? The man became so sensitive to the Holy Ghost after that one meeting where he saw the glory. People have asked me, evangelist, why is it that in, in a meeting like this, sometimes when the Holy Ghost moves, it is 90% of the time you see the worshipers, the praise team, they are so sensitive to the Holy Ghost. They know how to worship. Most of them, let me say most of them, they have met with the glory of God. They are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you just look at the praise team and the Holy Ghost is upon them and they begin to manifest. 
They fear God. They really worship God. Can you say amen? amen? Some of us, we have not reached that level of worship yet. Some of us, we are still praising and praying. We have not even entered into the level of worship yet. That is why when the fire falls, some of us, you see, we just stand with our hands in our pockets and we look around what's happening now because you've never encountered the glory of Jehovah. But the day when you encounter the glory of Jehovah, you become a worshiper instantly. Can you say amen? You don't ask for a reason anymore to worship Him. You look for a reason to worship Him. Say glory to Jesus. Moses was not satisfied. He said, I am sure there is more. He pitched his tent outside the camp. You want to see the glory of God? There has to be time of solitude. A time of separation where you separate yourself from the crowd. Where you separate yourself from the congregation and you say, three days, five days, seven days, I've got to seek the face of God. There's a level that you will never enter in God. There's a level of God that you'll never discover if you don't do this. When God wanted to show himself to Moses, he said, come up to the mountain, leave the rest of the crowd behind. There is a part of God, a depth in God that you cannot see together with your family. You cannot see together with your congregation. You need to be alone with God like Moses was alone. Amen. And returning from such an encounter, you become a worshiper of Jehovah. Amen. And small things no longer get you down because you always remember that one encounter. In my own life, I have a couple of encounters. I've been in this presence so many times. I'm addicted to the presence of Jesus. But I can count on my one hand. There have been times in the glory of God where I feared for my life. And I prayed. I said, Lord, can you please depart for I fear for my life. And after those meetings, my life was never the same. And these meetings never happen in a congregation. They always happen when you're alone. Can you say amen? Clap your hands if you believe it. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost came for many reasons. But the number one reason why the Holy Ghost came is to win souls. The number one reason why the Holy Spirit came is to win souls. I told you the other day, the Holy Spirit is the greatest soul winner. Of all the men on earth that have won souls, nobody can claim they've won more souls than the Holy Spirit because every time He was there. You just do the preaching and He wins the souls. Amen. When Jesus departed, He went back to heaven. The last command He gave His disciples, He said, Go out into the world and win souls. The Great Commission, Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Go into all the world. Make disciples, win souls, make disciples. We see this happen. When the disciples were in the upper room and the Holy Ghost came down, baptized them in fire. What is the very first thing they did? What is the first thing they did after the Holy Ghost baptized them? They didn't go out to counsel somebody. They didn't go out to prophesy to somebody. They went out to win souls. Can you say amen? 
Yes, the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to counsel people. Gives you the ability to plant churches. He gives you the ability to prophesy and to go deep into somebody's life. But the very first thing they did after the Holy Ghost came upon them, they won 3,000 souls. Can you say amen? Then why do great portions of the church claim they are baptized in the Holy Ghost and when you mention a soul winning campaign they look the other direction I don't want to get my hands dirty ask someone else they will go and do it the first evidence that the early church was baptized in the Holy Ghost was the evidence they spoke in tongues and they went out to win souls can you say amen Evangelist, I've been saved for 25 years. I don't care. How many souls have you led to Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit came for soul winning. The Holy Ghost came to help you to win souls. You say, but I'm not a speaker. It matters not. Then you write a note and you give it to somebody that you know he's lost. You say, I don't know how to communicate. It matters not. Then you buy a Bible and you smile when you give it into the hand of somebody that you know he needs Jesus. But involve yourself in soul winning. For God's sake, involve yourself in soul winning. Can you say amen? The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter number 8, there was this man by the name of Philip. And the Bible says an angel told Philip to go down to a certain place. When Philip came there, now the Holy Ghost spoke to him. He said, Philip, draw near to that chariot. Get onto the chariot and you begin to share with that man. Why? This man was reading the Bible. He was reading the Bible. The problem with the church today, we think everybody with a Bible is saved. It's not everybody with a Bible that is saved. There are many cults that use the same Bible as us. There are many false doctrines and, and false churches that use the same Bible as It doesn't mean because they have a Bible they are saved. Many people mention the name of Jesus, but they are so lost. They haven't heard the truth. They are waiting for you, son and daughter of Major One, to take the truth to them. Amen. It's not everybody that gets dressed on a Sunday morning and goes to a church building that is saved. No. They are waiting for you to share the truth with them. Amen. You ask some of those people to, to, to explain the gospel to you and you will be shocked the way they believe. You will be shocked. They are waiting for someone like you to come and tell them the truth. Amen. And so Philip drew, drew near. He found this man reading the Bible, the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. You and me, we would have said, oh, this man is saved, at least he's reading the scrolls. No, the Spirit said, draw near. And so he asked him, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I understand? There's nobody explaining to me. Philip said, come, let me explain to you. The Holy Spirit will open a door for you to explain the truth to somebody. Amen. To win a soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am asking you today. Son and daughter of Major One. We have come here for a touch of God right. We have come here for a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost right. We have come here for a fresh encounter with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Amen. What after that?
What after that? Will you just go home and wait for the fire to die down again? Will you just go home to say, I had a nice time in church? The Holy Spirit did not come for you to have a nice time. He came for you to empower you so that you can bring someone else to Jesus. Ask your neighbor, when was the last time you won a soul to Jesus? He said what? He said never. Say neighbor, I forgive you. Paul says in the book of Romans, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Did Paul write the gospel? Help me now. Did Paul write the gospel? And yet many times Paul refers to the gospel as my gospel. He says, according to my gospel, the dead will rise in the last day. Three times Paul says, according to my gospel. Did he write the gospel? Is it his gospel? No. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John wrote the gospel, not even Paul. He wrote epistles. How then can he say my gospel? Paul loved the gospel book so much. He studied so hard. He read Matthew, Mark and Luke and John from this side to that side over and over again. The gospels became a part of him to the point where he said, my gospel. When he went out to preach, he talked about my gospel. You, when you talk, you say the gospel of Matthew, gospel of Mark. No, I'm not even ashamed to say the gospel of evangelist Fritz. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I have preached this gospel on trains, on public transport, in public toilets. Hallelujah. In a public toilet, for a man, it is the easiest place. Amen. You wait for someone else to get busy. You go stand next to him. You begin. Because he can't go anywhere. He has to finish now. Amen. At least you have one or two minutes to share the gospel. I'm not ashamed anywhere, the school, the workplace, especially church, hallelujah. Well, let us take the gospel out there and preach with boldness, glory to Jesus. Some of us say, I pray so much, but my prayers, they hit the ceiling. I don't break through with God because the Holy Ghost is not obligated to you. He's not obligated to come and spend time with you because he knows you're not even interested in soul. It's just for you to get some And you run down and you say, oh honey, I had a nice time with Jesus. I felt the goosebumps my foot. Take the Holy Ghost and go and win a soul for Jesus. Amen. The gospel has the answer for every cry for the human race. Every cry, every need, the gospel has the answer. Whenever I get in an argument, I refer to my Bible. People get so upset with me. Why do you always bring the Bible in this? We, this is a business meeting. I say, hey, this is my standard. If I cannot go by this standard, what standard shall I go by then? This is my If you don't like it, then... You go by your standard, amen, whatever book you read. As for me, I love my Bible, hallelujah. Amen. I think most of us know this great atheist. His name is, um, 
All glory to Jesus. Shall I mention his name? Stephen Hawkins. Great atheist. Outspoken against Christians. He makes no secret of it. I'm an atheist. He says there's no such thing as a God. I believe in evolution. Now we know what evolution is, right? People believing in a big bang and everything starting, starting from there. My Lord, have mercy. So they had a television interview with him, this Stephen Hawkins, and a man of God. Big mistake. And so they asked Stephen Hawkins on, on his views. He said, you know what, you Christians, this man does not spare a Christian. He hates Christians. He says, Christians are the most unintelligent people ever. How can you believe in something that you don't see? He says the problem with Christians is they are so unintelligent. He says, you can ask many of the Christians, they don't even know the books of their Bible. I'm telling you, and it's true, not all the Christians know all the 66 books in the Bible, amen? But when you die, when you stand before Jesus, He's not going to ask you, can you now mention uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus? That is not the thing that will get you into heaven. He wants to know, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Have you been washed in the blood? Can you say amen? amen. I was in an argument with a man once. This man is very wise. He said to me, do you know what the name of the father-in-law of Moses was? I said, I have no idea. He said, but you claim to be a man of God. I said, you are silly, my friend. I said, if you can open me up, you'll find the blood of Jesus on my heart. You'll see the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I love my Bible, but even me, many scriptures that I read now, it's like, wow, I'm reading this for the first time. I never knew this was in the Bible. That book is so complicated, you need the Holy Ghost to uncomplicate it. Amen. And so Stephen Hawkins came with his nonsense. He said, ah, they don't even know the Bible. And so this man of God said, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. He said, whenever you have meetings like this and conversations like this, you always refer to the book of Darwin. And Darwin was a guy who came with this philosophy of the, the Big Bang. You know that, right? And he wrote a book on the Big Bang talking about uh, the beginning of life and everything. That book has a very long title. It's not just evolution. It is, it is the starting of, of life and what, 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 what. It's about three lines. Just the title of the book. And the man of God asked Stephen Hawkins. He said, you know that book? He said, I've read that book many times. He said, what is the full title of the book? He's like, um... Uh, uh, you know, uh, he said, oh my God, I forgot. And the man of God said, wait, you just said, oh my God, but you claim to be an atheist. He said, are you now calling on God to remind you the name, the title of the book that was written to prove that God does not exist? He said, you are confused. Listen, the man is clever. The man is intelligent. If you go study, if you go study him, you find he's one of the most intellectual people that ever lived. You know that guy sits in a wheelchair, right? I think God purposely put him in a wheelchair. Glory to Jesus. So that he cannot take his message too far. Hallelujah. 
Listen, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and well, let me tell you that. He is the one who created everything that you see and everything that you don't see. Amen. And He is just waiting for you to take the gospel message to people that don't know Him. Just go and tell people and Jesus will introduce Himself firsthand. Can you say Amen? amen. For this reason the Holy Ghost came. Tonight we're going to have a marvelous time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. My question to you is, what after that? What after that? Is it just for you to say I was in the presence of God? Or will you take Jesus to the streets? Will you take Jesus to communities that don't know Him? Can you say Amen? amen. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You are a missionary and you are on a mission. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is just waiting for you to take Him to the streets. Glory to Jesus. Oh, I don't even know where to go with my message. Glory to Jesus. Every place I read in the Bible where the Holy Ghost came upon people, they became witnesses for Jesus. Witnesses for Jesus. Not just to say, I can do signs and wonders. But Jesus is the one who said, wherever you go and tell people, signs will follow and wonders will follow. Can you say amen? amen. Evangelist, I've never had a miracle happening under my hands. It's because you are not serious when you tell people about Jesus. Next time you tell them about Jesus, just put yourself on the spot. You say, look, I'm going to preach Jesus to you, and I'm going to pray for you for that sickness in your body. That sickness will disappear, and by this you will know that God that I preach is true, and He's alive. Can you say amen? There's a big boxing match coming up in another day or two. You, you know what I'm talking about, eh? One of these contestants in, 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 in the, in the bo bo boxing match... I saw on, on a video clip, he said, they asked him, listen to this, how silly people get. They asked him, they said, we know that you're a good boxer, but now, what would happen if you meet Jesus in the ring? Who would win? And the guy said, no, I can whip Jesus anytime. I'm telling you, this is how the world out there does not fear God. At first the man said, no, we know that Jesus is dead, right? But just, let's just say he's alive. He said, I could whip him in the ring. My prayer is that the God of Major One will meet that man in a special way. My prayer is that the God of Major One will even meet the reporter in a special way that dared ask a silly question like this. I am telling you, saint, and even sinner if you are watching us, the day when you meet Jesus, you will not be able to stand on your two feet. Nonetheless, lift your hands and say, come, let's box. You will feel the earth must swallow you up. You will fear God for the first time in your life. Jesus is not coming back as a lamb, meek and mild. He's coming back as a lion. Amen. He's coming back to devour those that rejected him. He's coming back with judgment. Hallelujah. There's a reason why people out there, they talk about our Jesus like this. Because sometimes we are quiet. We don't speak out. We don't tell them, hey, this Jesus is coming back for you. We don't speak words of judgment because we want to be meek and mild. No. If they don't fear our God, why shall we fear them then? Let God judge them in a mighty way. Amen.
I am done apologizing for my Jesus that is alive. People must know he's alive. Amen. Whether you want to meet him as your savior or you meet him as your judge, but you shall meet him one day. Amen. Are you here tonight? The Holy Ghost is about to come down on us in a mighty way. Fires from heaven will burn on heads tonight. Amen. The hearts and the spirits of people will be ignited tonight. But what after that? Where will you take this glory? What shall you do with this glory? Will the world out there know that the, the people of ECG had an encounter with the God of Moses and the God of Major One? Amen. Can you stand to your feet? In the precious presence of Jesus. To many of us, Jesus is just a distant deity. But he longs to be your close companion. Oh, amen. The Holy Ghost longs to be your close companion. He longs to show you things that you never knew. He wants to reveal deep hidden secrets that you never knew about. You never heard even anyone preach about it. These are the things he wants to uncover and reveal to you. Say, I receive it, Lord Jesus. One thing I want to finish with. I fear the God of Major One. I fear this miracle working God. I've heard too many testimonies of people talking nonsense about my prophet Major One. And then later on you hear about the judgment of God coming upon them. I fear this God, I tell you this. I fear this God that can raise the dead. I fear this God that can heal AIDS. Amen. This God that can open the eyes of the blind. I fear this God that can take a sinner, a murderer, and change his heart to the point where he cries in church and he says, I just want to work for Jesus. You've got to fear such a God and love him at the same time. Amen. How shall we be different if not for the Holy Ghost? Can you just raise up your right hand? Say, Holy Spirit, I refuse to do life without you. I refuse to go another day without you. Say, Holy Spirit, I must have you in my life. I gotta have you in my life. I need more of you in my life. Hallelujah. One last scripture. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 16 says, If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, Spirit with a capital S, meaning the Holy Ghost. If you walk in the Holy Ghost, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Listen to this. Having the Holy Spirit as your close companion 24 hours a day is the shortcut to Christian perfection. Is the shortcut to dealing with sin. Is the shortcut to get out of carnality. You just spend time with the Holy Ghost the whole day. It is the shortcut to Christian perfection. You get two people, they surrender their lives to Jesus the same day. Twenty years later, you meet the same two people and they are different people. The one is still carnal. The one is still very much in this world. And the other one, a man of God. The other one fearing God, doing so much for Jesus. Great exploits for the God of Major One. Why? The one has learned to walk with the Holy Ghost. It is the shortcut to Christian perfection. Can you say amen? amen? 
There are things that you can learn in the presence of God, in the glory of God, that you can never learn in books, that you can never learn in seminars, that you can never learn in a Bible school. In the presence of God, you can learn so much. Can you say amen? Even before I met Major One, I had people calling me from Cape Town in South Africa. They said, we heard that you're an evangelist. They said, what course can, can, can you recommend that we teach our people? What Bible school can you recommend we, we, we teach people? Do you have any material we can teach people? I said, how long is your course? They said, six months. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you send those people to me? They come on me, they come with me on one or two outreaches where we are going to win souls and witness a mighty move of God. I said, during those crusades, they will learn much more than they can learn six months in a Bible school. I said, the presence of God firsthand will teach them about love for people, about the fear of God. Amen. You cannot learn the fear of God in the Bible school. The fear of God is learned in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is so anxious to pour Himself out on us tonight. He's so anxious to visit us with fire and with power tonight. Amen. He's so anxious to take us to the next level. Can you say glory to Jesus? Some people, even of the Holy Ghost, does pour Himself out tonight. Even if Jesus does baptize many with fire tonight, many will be left out. These are the people that have never given their lives to Jesus, never surrendered, never laid down their lives to the God of the heavens and said, Lord, I surrender. I'm tired of the nonsense that I've been busy with. They never said, Lord, I'm a sinner and today I repent. Is the only way for you to connect with the saving grace of Jesus is to repent. One tear of repentance is better than a thousand good works. Just once, lifting your hand, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, please forgive me. It outweighs a million good works. Jesus is ready to save repentant sinners, people that have never surrendered to Jesus. Amen. I want to pray a prayer of salvation and I want to include you in that prayer. Even people watching us on Prophetic Channel tonight, you want to give your life to Jesus. You too want to serve and follow and fear the God of Major One. Can I ask you, just slip up your right hand. Even at home, put up your right hand. Hey, don't worry about what your wife and your children will think now. You should be worried what they will think when you stand before Jesus one day and you are not washed in the blood. Forget about what people think now is between Jesus and yourself. If you are here with us tonight, you want to give your life to Jesus, quickly slip up your hand. Say, Lord, I'm tired of the nonsense in my life. Now I want to serve Jesus. Can you wave your hand? Let me see your hand quickly. Amen. If your hand is raised up, I need to pray a prayer of salvation with you. Can I ask you come to the front quickly? Come quickly to the altar. Come to the altar quickly. If you are watching us from home, you are watching us from home, please gather your family quickly. Say, family, we are making a big decision tonight to follow Jesus. We are going to pray with evangelists. 
If you are in the overflow, make your way to the altar in the overflow. Jesus can never turn his back on anyone that repents of his sins. Never. There is place at the altar for every sinner. Let a weak say, I'm sore. Let a poor say, I am rich. Let a blind say, I can see. This what the Lord has done for me. Let a weak say I'm strong. Let a poor say I am rich. Let a blind say I can see. This what the Lord has done for me. Let the weak say I'm sure. Let the poop, let the say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. the Lord has done for me. Amen. If you are standing in the front, you have approached the altar, it means that you acknowledge that you are a sinner and you need Jesus to save your soul. Can you say amen to that? Amen. If you are watching us and you have approached your television set now, it means that you want to pray with us the sinner's prayer. You have to understand in your heart that you have offended God, you broke His laws and there's no salvation for you apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else can save you apart from the blood. You may be at home and say, no, I've got my own charms and I've got my own ways and my own incantations. They'll just waste your time, my friend. They cannot save you. Jesus is the only one that qualifies as the Son of God that can save you with His sinless blood. Can you say amen? amen. Put up your right hand and pray this prayer with me. Say, God of the heavens. I stand before you guilty. I have broken your laws. Say, Lord.